Thanks for joining us for Life Community Church. Well, hey, everybody. Good morning. Good to see y'all. Um, like Liz said, we are uh, starting this series looking at the Lord's Prayer. And I'm excited about it. I personally, um, as I've been studying it this week, I've just been um, kind of rejuvenated by it. It's been a great thing for me to study, and I'm looking forward to the rest of our, I think it's going to be seven weeks in this series. So, um, Well, hey, if we haven't met yet, if you're new online, um, my name is Dan. I'm one of the lead pastors here at the church, and we're so glad that you're here. And, uh, you know, our, our community is kind of split three ways right now. We've got in-person, we've got in the parking lot, and then we've got online. And if you want, if this is fun for you, um, even if you're in the auditorium, I encourage you to get on Facebook and join the live stream. You can comment and uh, be interactive there with, um, with, the, uh, with everyone who's online. I've got a couple of questions today for you guys uh, to interact online. And so I'm pulling mine up. There's one that I'm going to read a few of the questions. So I'm going to Life Muhammad. Life. It's Life Community. Life Community Church. Oh, but I'm in Marketplace right now. I was researching stuff yesterday. So Life Community Church. We're not for sale, so you won't find us in the Marketplace. And there's our live stream. And I just turned my volume all the way down. And uh, I'll look at some of your comments later as we go through those. So if that's fun for you, do it. If not, no pressure there. Um, but have you, ever, uh, have you ever been jealous of someone's prayer life? Like you've heard them pray and you're like, oh man, that is such a cool thing the way they pray. You know, maybe it was, uh, maybe it was just one time you heard someone pray and you're like, wow. I want to I pray like that. Maybe you grew up with someone, or maybe that person's in your life where you see them consistently pray over and over again, and you're just kind of in awe of their prayer life. For me, um, I had this interaction with this guy that I didn't know. I didn't know at all. And um, he prayed for me. We went to separate churches. I didn't catch his name. I, I don't remember at all. Um, but the way that he prayed for me was so powerful. And he prayed very specific things in my life that I was going through. And I was like, oh my word, like the spirit was just moving through him. And I was so in awe of the spirit moving through. Like months later, I was thinking about it. I was like, how, how did that guy pray for me like that? Like, how did he get to that point? I was so jealous of that kind of prayer life. Um, and that, that kind of holy jealousy of someone else's prayer life, that's what sparks our conversation today. Because in Luke 11.1, 1, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me there. Um, Jesus, it says that Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And so I, I thought about that passage, and I, I'm wondering, what do you think they heard in Jesus' prayer life? What do you think they saw in Jesus' prayer life? If you're on Facebook, in, in a one-word answer, just type down there what you think the disciples saw in Jesus' prayer life. In one word, write that down there. I'll read them in a second. But I think it helps us to, especially with the Lord's Prayer, to kind of reimagine the scene. Um, instead of it just being like this rote prayer, like what was happening at that time? We don't know. It doesn't tell us exactly. But I wonder if like the disciples were like uh, 
cooking lunch or something around the fire. And, and Jesus went off to pray a little bit, and they were all like hanging around the fire, cooking their fish or whatever they were having. And they kind of like listened in, eavesdropped on Jesus' prayers over there, and they're like, man, how does, he, how does he pray like that? Or maybe they're just looking at his posture or the commitment that he had um, and, and just wanted that. Um, so here, here's some of your words coming in. So connection, that's, that's great. Yeah, I think they saw his connection with the Father. Solitude, yeah, we see Jesus go into solitude all the time to pray. Intimacy, that's a great one. A couple of intimacies, that's awesome. Um, we've got authenticity, uh, devotion. Um, these are words that we could probably describe, and there's so many other words we could describe Jesus' prayer life with. And so today, we want to look at Jesus' prayer life so that it awakens something in us. So that as we leave here today, we, we say, Jesus, teach us to pray. So we're not going to get into the specifics of the prayer today. Instead, we're going to look at Jesus' prayer life. A prayer life, I mean, the most perfect prayer life. And so that we can be inspired at it and work towards that. Because what if the words that we just used, authenticity, intimacy, consistency, um, solitude. What if those words people use to describe your prayer life? And that can happen. Just because Jesus had these things and he was perfect doesn't mean that they're unobtainable for us. We can have a similar prayer life and we can work towards that. So when Jesus asked them to pray, uh, when the disciples uh, asked them, asked Jesus, teach us to pray. You know, Jesus isn't like, oh, actually guys, I'm kind of the son of God, so my prayer life is on another level that you can't reach, right? He doesn't say that. He says, absolutely, I'll teach you. And he teaches them this prayer, and so we can learn it too. Do you guys have something in your life? Another question for you guys on Facebook. Do you have something in your life that you just love to talk about? Like maybe uh, someone brings it up in conversation, and you're like, oh, yes, we get to talk about this topic. Or maybe like, you're in this group over here talking to people and you hear this group talking about something. And you're like, oh, let me tell you about this. You have something that you're passionate about like that. For me, it's Frisbee golf. I play a lot of, a lot of Frisbee golf, disc golf. Um, I just love playing it. It's so fun. I realize it's, it's uh, a weird hobby, but I don't care. It's great. And uh, me and my kids, we have this mini disc golf basket. It's like this high. If you've ever seen a disc golf basket, they're like, they're in Dodd's Park and they've got chains. They're made of metal and they're just sitting in the middle of the grass. And you're like, what are those things? That's a disc golf basket. Um, see, I'm already talking about it too much. So me and my kids, we have this, uh, <laughs> we have this little disc golf basket and we have these mini discs and we put it all around the house and we play disc golf. And so I love it when my kids are like, hey, dad, can we play disc golf? I'm like, yeah, we'll get the disc golf basket out. We'll put it in the bedroom and we'll go all the way down the hallway and throw our discs, stuff like that. My excitement, I look forward so much to when they ask me, they haven't yet, but when they ask me, dad, will you teach me how to throw a real disc? Will you teach me to throw as far as you? And I wonder if... Uh, I would get so excited for that. And I wonder if this is the same feeling that Jesus has as the disciples are like, Jesus, teach us to pray. I wonder if Jesus is just like, yes, I've been waiting for you to ask. And so he teaches them and teaches us. He says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, 
hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This isn't the only time that Jesus teaches people this prayer. Um, It happens at least twice, and I would just guess that probably more. We just don't have a record of it. So we've got uh, in the Beatitudes, Jesus teaches this prayer, which is the one I just read. And then also in Luke, um, that's when the disciples say, hey, Jesus, teach us to pray. And he teaches them this prayer. Uh, but this, this verse, this prayer, it can sometimes have a lot of baggage for us, especially if you grew up in the church. Maybe uh, you've just got like, uh, the prayer has kind of lost its meaning to you because you know you've got it memorized, you can say it in under 2.3 seconds, and you know, it, it, it's kind of lost its meaning. For me, I'll tell you, I grew up uh, evangelical, and in the evangelical world, they don't really say this prayer all that often. It's talked about, but we don't, they didn't really recite it all that often and as a community or individuals. And so I first learned it when I joined a boys' choir called the Singing Wires. Liz is giggling over there in the corner because every time the Singing Wires is brought up, it brings laughter because it wasn't one of my favorite times of my life, but I, I enjoyed it a little bit. We toured the country as a boys' choir we were so popular. People couldn't get enough of us as long as you're over 80. They just loved us. So in the boys' choir, every practice, uh, we would goof around and have fun before practice started. And then when it was time to start practice, we said the Lord's Prayer. And that meant that the fun was over and we had to start singing in our high, beautiful voices at nine years old or however old I was. And um, and I remember uh, Mr. Bond, our choir director, he would uh, call on someone to lead the prayer. He'd be like, hey, Jim, can you lead the prayer? And depending on how fast the boy started it, that's how fast we got to get the prayer over with. So if the boy started with our Father, then we'd all have to say it slow, our Father, then we'd all join in, who art in heaven, hallowed be. But if the boy started it, our Father, then we got to be like, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, the kingdom of the will be done, as fast as we could. And we could get it over with. So for me, this prayer just kind of became a rote thing that didn't mean anything. That just meant that the fun was over, practice was about to start. And maybe you have a similar experience. Maybe that's in you somewhere where you've memorized this prayer and it doesn't mean that much to you. If you haven't, if that you don't have any baggage with this verse, awesome. That is so great. Um, or maybe you don't even have it memorized yet. That's even better. Start now and, and give it meaning. So As we move forward, we want this prayer to give us life. We want it to be life-giving again as it was meant to be, a life-giving prayer. So try to separate yourself from whatever baggage you have with this prayer as I do and and try and renew it in your heart and ask God to do that for you. Um, We're going to look at seven petitions of this prayer. This prayer has seven petitions in it. That's going to be our seven-week series, each petition is a week, um, and we're going to look at what those mean. And today we're looking at what we can see in Jesus's prayer life. What were the disciples seeing in his prayer life that they were like, I want that in my life? 
Teach us, Jesus. Let's go to Luke 3.21. It says, One day, when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. And as he was praying, the heavens were opened. I'll get to the rest of that verse in a second here, but let's look at the context. This is Jesus' baptism. Um, he was about 30 years old. He hadn't uh, done any miracles yet. He hadn't uh, been teaching huge crowds yet. He, uh, he hadn't cast out any demons, no miracles, nothing to speak of yet. And he's baptized. Um, so not only is this verse uh, connected to uh, what's about to happen, um, connected to his baptism, or the heavens opening, it says, that's not, that is connected to his baptism. But, you know, oftentimes I'll skip right over this prayer part. Like if you were to ask me um, what, what caused the heavens to be open, I would say the baptism. And I, I know that's part of it. That's a very important um, ritual that we do and that Jesus did. But it's also prayer because it says, as he was praying, the heavens were opened. And so this is connected just as much to his baptism as it is to his prayer, um, to him being in prayer. And so these people, they saw, whoever, as they uh, told this story, they saw physical things happening. Um, they saw Jesus be baptized. They saw and maybe heard Jesus praying. Um, and so Jesus takes this posture. This is our first P. I've got a few P's for you. Jesus takes a posture of personal openness to the always present invisible, invisible God, not only to speak, but also to listen, as we'll see here. You know, we live in this physical world that we can touch, we can see it, uh, we can feel things as, you know, we can see it all around, we can, um, it's a physical world. But when we stop and pray, we realize that there's something bigger going on, that there's something more to this physical world than than what we can see. And, and we surrender ourselves to an almighty God, an all-powerful God, and we confess that we are weak just through the act of prayer, relying on God and communicating with him. It's an acknowledgement of an all-powerful God and a holy father. And so as Jesus is praying, the rest of this verse says, the Holy Spirit, this is verse 22, in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. And so now we have the presence of the Holy Spirit in bodily form. Isn't that crazy? It's the first, uh, it, well, it's not the first, it's a very significant moment in history. It opens a new chapter in history. You know, we often talk about the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. Um, but it's not new to the New Testament. It's also in the Old Testament. We see the Holy Spirit. Um, but the, the Holy Spirit here usually comes, um, it comes as a, uh, it comes temporarily. It, it gets a job done with some, he gets a job done with someone. It's for a task or a purpose. They finish that task and purpose. Um, and then the Holy Spirit leaves that person. But here in John, um, John 1.32 says that the Spirit of God remained on him, which is really significant. And it's a promise um, 
that's been made in the Old Testament. Because when we look at uh, Ezekiel, Ezekiel, remember we've talked about Ezekiel 47, uh, when the water flows out of the temple and brings life uh, to, the, to dead things and renews the world. That's the promise in Ezekiel 47. Just a little bit before that, in Ezekiel 36, there's this promise of the Spirit coming. Let me read it to you. It says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So this is the first time that people are seeing this. And today we would call it being born again or becoming a Christian. Um, but this is the first time that people are seeing the spirit come on someone in such a powerful way in Jesus' baptism. So we're seeing the presence of the Holy Spirit. And it's a spirit that they've been waiting for, and it's come on Jesus to remain. It's a huge promise being, uh, being um, come to fruition. And then we have this. Now listen to what, uh, I'm sorry. So listen to what the Father says to him. You are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. So now we move into the next P, personhood and pleasure. Jesus knows his identity in prayer. And he has the unearned love of the Father. Remember I told you, Jesus hasn't done anything up to this point. Um, He hasn't done miracles. He hasn't died on the cross yet. He hasn't risen from the grave. Yet he is a dearly loved son and brings his Father pleasure. In prayer, Jesus hears his identity. He hears who he is to the Father He is the Son of God. He is loved and that he brings joy to the Father. He was assured of God's love for him as his Son. The Father's love here is unearned. And the same goes for you and me. We're told all throughout Scripture that we can't earn God's love. In John 1.12 we read, But as many as receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. We have the right to be his kids. God's love is for you always, no matter what. If you've received him, then you are his child, and nothing you can do can change that. And I have great news for you, that, you're, that his love for you is unearned, which here's the good news, is that you can't, uh, you can't earn it. <laughs> you can't unearn it either. So you can't, there's nothing you can do to lose his love. And Jesus knew that, and this is what Jesus operates from. And as he does his ministry over the next three years, he has this deep understanding that he is loved by the Father. And this comes to him through an intimacy of prayer with with the Father. What if we had that same understanding? What if we have that same understanding of God's love for us? And what if we operated out of that? What would our lives look like? How would our everyday lives change? Our fourth and final P is the power and purpose and plans of Jesus. So far, we've seen this layering in Jesus' life, starting with his posture of prayer, then knowing his personhood, knowing that he's the Son of God, 
Um, he has the presence of God and the Spirit. He knows the pleasure of God for him. And now we move to his purpose, plans, and power. Move to Luke 4.14 with me. It says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And a report went out about him through all the surrounding country. Let's get the context here. So um, we've kind of gone through Luke a little bit. Luke gives uh, the story of Jesus' birth. It gives some stories about his childhood. Then it goes into his baptism. And then it goes into temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. And now we're here. And so um, Jesus' season in the wilderness uh, and faithfulness during the temptation he experienced there gave way to a season of moving in power as we're about to see here. He comes out full of the Holy Spirit. Uh, We're going to move over to Mark. Now we're following the same storyline. Mark gives the exact uh, same accounts, just in different ways. They're a lot more concise. If you've got a physical Bible, you'll see how short his uh, accounts are. But same thing, he just got out of the wilderness. So Mark 1.29 through 30 Just before this, after he gets out of the wilderness, he goes to the synagogue and he casts out some demons from this guy and people are like, whoa, that's amazing. And so now we're here, Mark 1, 29, same storyline. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with fever and immediately they told him about her. And he came and he took her by the hand and lifted her up and the fever left her and she began to serve them. So another miracle. He's cast out demons right after getting uh, out of the wilderness, full of the, full of the Holy Spirit. Um, now he's healed uh, Peter's mother-in-law. So we see him moving out in power and purpose. Now, uh, verse 32. That evening, the same day, at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And, the, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. He's moving in power. He knows his purpose to bring the kingdom of God to earth. Things that were broken, like this man being possessed by a demon, uh, a, a simple fever in, in Peter's mother-in-law, and, and now even more miracles, He was making things right. He was uh, making it on earth as it is in heaven. This is what Jesus was doing. Um, And he does it all through the power of the Holy Spirit. Mark 1, 39, these are very next verses. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him. And said to him, everyone's looking for you. And he said to them, let us go to the next towns that we may preach there also. For that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. So here's Jesus. He just had a late night. We're told that like they just started bringing him people to heal at sundown. And so he was probably up late into the night. He gets up early to do what? Pray. So he has this rhythm um, of, of prayer in his life. It's not just like this 
one-off thing where, where Jesus just kind of like, he prays this one time while he's baptized, and then he resists temptation, is filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, and then like he doesn't have to pray again. He doesn't outgrow prayer with the Father. He never graduates from it. And obviously, neither do we. Like, Jesus has this rhythm where he prays, he does, he does stuff, purpose, power, and then he prays some more and is filled again with um, of what he knows. Can we go to the, the next slide, the recap slide there? So we've got posture. Um, he has an openness to God. He has an openness to the Father. He has the presence of the Holy Spirit. Um, he knows who he is, his personhood, and he knows that God has pleasure in him. And then we have, he moves into his power. And this is a cycle over and over and over again, as you'll see throughout the Bible. So I have a challenge for you as we close today. I, I have a challenge for you to pray the Lord's Prayer every day throughout the series. That's seven weeks of saying the Lord's Prayer every day day this week. And there's so many ways you can do it. You know, you could uh, set an alarm on your phone, say, hey, here, Siri, hey, Google, set, uh, remind me to pray the Lord's Prayer every day at 7 a.m. or 7 p.m., whatever that may be for you. Set a reminder for yourself or put a note card. Uh, if you take, like, uh, vitamins every day, put a little note card right by your vitamins so you say the Lord's Prayer. Then Now, the challenge isn't to say the Lord's Prayer. We can do that in under 1.7 seconds, as I've demonstrated. Uh, the challenge is to give it meaning in your soul, to, to let that prayer give you life, to focus on every word that it has. Or maybe just each time you pray, you, you focus on a different section. For me, as I was doing this this week, I thought, if I'm going to ask you guys to do it, I should probably do it too. So I started a little early, and I just, I loved it. Like, I would be, I prayed the pray, I was praying on Monday. That was the first day I prayed it. And then on Tuesday, I started praying again. And as I was praying, I realized, oh, God, you answered that prayer yesterday. Like, when I got to this part, I was praying for that. And, and here I am praying for that again. But you, you answered it. Or you're starting to answer it is really what I said. I start, started to see the starting of the answer of the prayer. And, and I just like laughed. I was right back there in the office there, and I just like laughed out loud. I was, it was just such a joyous thing for me to see so quickly some fruit, you know, of praying this prayer. So let's pray it together every day. And if you miss a day like I did this week, I didn't pray it Friday. I just kept putting it off until I forgot, and that'll happen. Don't beat yourself up. Let's just move on and keep praying it. Um. And then the, the, uh, the next challenge I have for you is go through some devotions that uh, we have for you. So I'm going to email out today. Every Sunday, I'll email out five devotions for Monday through Friday. And they'll help us focus on the Lord's Prayer. Um, and so my challenge for you is to do those devotions. If you are not signed up for our emails, you can go to lifemohammed.org. You just scroll to the bottom of the page, and the email sign-up is there. And I'll send those out this afternoon um, and you can get those devos there. So if you're already signed up for our emails, you'll already get those in your inbox today. Um, so that's the Lord's Prayer. Today's purpose was to whet our appetite for the Lord's Prayer, to, to want a prayer life like Jesus. And I hope we've done that today. Um, and in either case, whether it hasn't or has, let's just say what the disciples said to Jesus. Teach us to pray. Teach us to have a prayer life like you, Jesus. And let's see what he does. So let's pray. Jesus,
um, we're thankful that we have this prayer that, um, that you taught your disciples and you're teaching us to pray. And so we ask Jesus, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Put things in our lives that we, uh, you know, we, we haven't thought about in a long time or give this verse a brand new meaning for us, even if we've uh, kind of attached some baggage to it. Pray that you would renew this prayer in our lives, that you would renew our prayer lives, um, and that we would get to see your power and your kingdom come. Jesus, we love you, and we look forward to what you're going to do over the next few weeks. Amen. At Life Community Church, we want you to experience the powerful, life-changing love of God. To learn more, go to lifemohammed.org. lifemohammed.org.